will come uh, where uh, we will have uh, what we had a couple years ago in another uh, state, in another country, I should say, where we had an all-out one month of evangelism, uh, health evangelism, and uh, it was very powerful. It attracted uh, close to about 500 visitors coming to the church. And uh, we are told that if we um, use the right arm of the third angel's message in the right way, we will be blessed. And so we are so thankful for the ministry of uh, Dr. Laverne Jackson and Dr. Thomas Jackson in coming and just bringing us this word of life uh, to this area. We pray that the Lord will continue to bless his ministry. This evening will be our final presentation. And we want to encourage everyone to come out uh, this evening at 5 o'clock, where we'll be having the conclusion of this chapter in health, hope, and healing. And so we invite you to invite your friends and enemies and anyone else. Just bring them out. And you will, and they will be blessed as well. After the meditation by our youth choir, the next voice that we will hear is that of Dr. Thomas Jackson. Thank you.
Africa. South Africa. <laughs> That's all right. That just sets a stage. South Africa. I like that, that international flavor. I'd like to say good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and those who know that this is the day that the Lord has made. As I shared in some of my meetings, do you know, and we might have visitors here, but on this seventh day, I mentioned once before that your pulse beats slower on the seventh day. As I mentioned, there's a biology in the seventh day. Not only the fact that God sees from his created works and that we might enter into his rest spiritually, but also God is a God that is concerned about our physical well-being because he wants us to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. I pray that my uh, slides are ready to go on the screen, my brother. And uh, before I speak, I'd like to also, first of all, acknowledge the church for being so gracious to my wife and I while we've been here for this whole week in Las Vegas, I mean Las Vegas, and uh, we have not definitely had any time to go around this place, but we are blessed because we've had some good time this e in the evening. We have come to know people personally, and I praise God we've been able to consult. We've we've seen people embrace just in a short period of time some of these principles that have benefit. And how many in here are on the pathway of God's plan that have been with us? You see those hands over there? And so just be sure you share what you have learned. And as the pastor said, we will finish up this evening uh, with a very important presentation that I think everyone here, not only in this church, but even Las Vegas, need to be here this evening. I'd like to also uh, acknowledge some of my close friends, first of all. I'd like for Kristen and Jeff Hannon to stand up. Could you, Kristen and Jeff, those wonderful people there. I wish I had time. Uh, Jeff and Kristen, they are from Oregon area. They are gospel medical missionaries. Um, I met them many, many years ago. Um, they have a story. I had the privilege to, uh, to study with them and to be part of their experience a part of their baptism, part of their marriage, and uh, they went to our school in 2007, six, and uh, they are dear to our hearts, and uh, we just want to continue to lift them up, and I, I'm so gracious that we are able to rendezvous together. So keep Chris, Kristen and Jeff in prayer, because they are on a journey to serve the Lord. So thank you, my brothers and sisters. Thank you, Kristen and Jeff. And right before I speak. Uh, I just like uh, when you mention South Africa, I, you know, I have a lot of friends and children around the world, but there are those, uh, we have hundreds, but we have at least about 12, outside of our biological children, at least 12 children that are just like our children. They love us with all their heart. And uh, God has blessed us with a child of the old age, I call him. And he and his family are here. And they're from Africa. Amen. Uh, they're from Zimbabwe. And um, I did not meet them in Zimbabwe. I met them in New Zealand 
by spiritual default. I was there to conduct a series of meetings. The person who was supposed to pick me up uh, could not make it, so my guest sent this young man to pick me up. And he said he was from Zimbabwe. I had just come from those areas. And when he came to me, and uh, I said, well, this guy is not from Zimbabwe. He's talked like a New Zealand. He looks like Zimbabwe, but he didn't sound like a Zimbabwean. But make a long story short, I spent some time there. And uh, he's an engineer by trade. Uh, love the Lord. And uh, he decided he wanted to come to our training school in America. We run a four-month school every year. That's where Christian and Jeff went. And he has a lovely wife and two children. And say, how are you going to get to a training school with a wife and two children? But make a long story short, God miraculously brought Farai and Joy Mangjingwa and their two sons, Mandy and Tanasha, all the way to the United States four or five years ago to be trained by the Lord. And Farai and his Joy have been full-time medical missionary ever since then. They have worked with us in Alabama, and then God has brought them out to California in Bakersville, and now working in that area, working on a project in Nigeria, and we'll be doing some work in Zimbabwe. So before I speak, I would like Joy and Farai Manjingwa to bless us with a song, and since the young folks have already set the stage with Africa. Thank you, dear. <laughs> All right, son. God bless you. Why don't you use this one, son? In desperation, you have climbed, you have fought, you have won. By this valley that lies calling before you, cast a shadow you cannot when you thought you had it all together you knew every verse to get you through by this time all your sorrows grew more than just your hopes and reciting all those verses just won't do Says enough, there is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to your prayer, and your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge. 
answers aren't enough, he's there. Instead of asking why did it happen, think of where it could lead you from here. And as your pain is slowly you can find a better reason to live your life triumphant through the tears. When answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to your prayer. And your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge when answers aren't enough. He's there. When answers aren't enough, there is Jesus. He is more than just an answer to and your heart will find a safe and peaceful refuge when answers aren't enough when answers aren't enough Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Church, I want you to pray with me. And then, as I said last week, I want you to think. And then I want you to pray that God put his words into my mind. So with this in mind, let us just pause in the presence of God and ask him to grant us his spirit. Let us pray. Father God in heaven. As we open up this greatest medical book that's ever been written, we now plead in the name of Jesus for the divine author, thy Holy Spirit, to guide us in our studying together this morning. Let what we will talk about, Father, be not just to tingle our minds, but Father, let it find a lodging place in our hearts and that we will be transformed as results of your living word. Now guide my thoughts. Hide me behind the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Last night, those that were with us, I talked about a subject of God's plan, the answer to cancer. And we cover a, quite a bit of territory. And I mentioned in closing that cancer has an attitude. But that's not my subject I want to talk about is cancer. But the reason I mention cancer has an attitude because what we're going to discuss or study this morning permeates through every experience of our lives and impact our physical health. Because it's our attitude that would determine how our physical health will be realized. And so we're going to move forward 
because of the time, and I hope you have your medical books. And I'm going to put a couple of texts on the screen. The rest I would not put on the screen, but you see in John 10, 10, if you can open up your Bible or look on the screen, I'd like for us to read this together. John 10, verse 10, and let's read it together. What does it say? The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. How appropriate that this church is named Abundant Life. I pray that it's not only a name, but it's what you proclaim. Amen? The Bible says that there is one who has come to what? To steal and to kill. I want you to please think with me as we move forward quickly. Who does the scripture say has come to steal and kill? Satan. Who is it? Satan. Keep that in mind. And I'm emphasizing, not that that's something that you don't realize, but when I get into this thought, you're going to realize it's so imperative for us to understand that it is Satan that does the stealing and killing of your life. It didn't say man, it said Satan. What did it say? What did I say? It didn't say man, it says who? Because you know there was a war in heaven. The book of Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, and then we read in the book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 7, there was a war in heaven and the accuser of the brethren, we know that was Satan. He was what? Cast out to the what? Earth. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. For the devil has come down, listen, listen what the Bible said, you can read it, Revelation 12, with great wrath. It's important to understand this. So the enemy in which you and I face is not man. Mm, we got to pause for a moment so you get that. Father, just be with us. The your enemy does not come in the form of flesh and blood. It's not your mother, nor your father, nor your uncle, your brother, your husband, your wife, or your church member. That's not your enemy. The Bible says the devil has come to steal and kill. Jesus said, I have come. What? that you might have not just life, but life more abundantly. How do you define abundant life? What is abundant life? You got life here, yeah, I got life, I'm breathing, I'm moving, you can move around, you can think, but what is life more abundantly? It's healthy, yes. Better quality. Fullness. Abundant life in this physical existence where we can live in a corrupt, perverted society and our peace remain constant. Mm. There's nothing can disturb our peace. Abundant life. 
You can be physically well, but still have your peace disturbed. You can be prosperous, but still have your peace disturbed. When we look at the life of Jesus in the midst of a storm, when the disciple was crying out, where was he in the bowel of that ship? He was wrapped in peace in his father. Because <laughs> the storm was boisterous and he knew it was an enemy. Abundant life. I want to talk about the healing power of forgiveness. Nothing new to us. But this is why we entitled Health, Hope, and Healing. If we're going to have physical health, we need to experience this. And some of us say, well, I don't need that. Down the line, you will. Because your peace is going to be disturbed. And you'll see where abundant life come in. Let's talk about it. We've been talking about this week. We have gone to the word of God in the book of Psalms 103. And that scripture, let's read it together. What does it say? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We have come to the conclusion, even prior to me coming here, that we do not believe in evolution. We believe in creation. Therefore, God is the creator. And he is the designer and the author of this wonderful, fearfully made body. And since he is, we have found out this week that God has given us an owner's manual. Keep this in mind. You remember that? Do you have your owner's manual with you? Amen. And we find that in this owner's manual, God has given us instruction. And as my brother Richards brought up, he says that we've been talking about God's plan. And the one we really need was godly trust. You didn't know we were leading into that one. All right. This is the top of the plan. On that hang all the law. Mm. There's many ways of spelling those eight laws. But we realize that if you don't put trust at the top, therefore the devil is going to definitely keep you at the bottom. Godly trust is at the top. And we find as we move through this, let's read this together. Psalms 103 verse 1. Psalms 103 verse 1. What does the Bible say? Let's read it together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thy iniquity, who healeth all thy diseases. Listen, there is an intimate relationship between healing and forgiveness. There could be no healing without forgiveness. No matter how many pills you pop, you're not going to be healed. The Bible says that, not Dr. Jackson. Like I said, cursed be the man that trusts man, Jeremiah 17, 5. If you want a blessing, trust God, Jeremiah 17, 7. So there's an intimate relationship between forgiveness and healing. And if you are not experiencing that, your healing is only on autopilot is temporarily. Keep that in mind. The Bible declares that. In the book of Luke, turn there with me, and then I'll tell you the story very quickly because time is of essence. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 20, this is the story of a man that was paralytic. You're very familiar with this. And it was only occasion when Jesus was in a village and therefore he was at a house. You can see this in the scripture. 
and the place was, it was, was, was full with people. And as you know the story, this man could not get into the place where Jesus was because he needed to be at the feet of Jesus. And since he could not get in, as the story goes, he requested of his four friends to take him where? Up to the roof and do what? And as one preacher said, this was the only time, Pastor Madden, it was authorized to break into somebody's house. <laughs> authorized break in. And so therefore, as they let him down in the presence of Jesus, notice this comment. It says, when the poor paralytic was brought to the house where Jesus was teaching, a dense crowd, sometime, ladies and gentlemen, we can crowd people out of the church. We can crowd them out of a relationship with Jesus because of our own lifestyle. Barring every way of access to the Savior, but faith and hope had been kindled in the heart of the poor sufferer. And he proposed, he proposed, now follow me, this man was sick. But he proposed a way. See, he was proactive in his plan. Are you following me? He didn't just say, Lord, just heal me. He was doing something. Notice, it says here that he proposed that his friends take him to the rear of the house. Break up the roof and let him down in the presence of Christ. The suggestion was acted upon as the afflicted one lay at the feet of the mighty healer. All the man could do for his restoration has been done. Did you get the point? Is there a part that we have to play in our recovery? Amen. Keep this in mind. Notice, Jesus knew that the sufferer had been tortured with a sense of his sins and that he must first find relief from this burden, with a look of tenderest compassion, the Savior addressed him, not as a stranger or even a friend, but as one who had even then been received into the family of God. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Notice, many are suffering from maladies of the soul far more than diseases of the body. In our ministry, telephone calls come every day. Been reported to me by our office personnel. Two out of the three of the calls that come to our office are that of mental depression, emotional struggles. They're not just calling for cancer and diabetes, but they, are, they have that pain in the soul. Notice what the statement says. It says here that they will find no relief until they shall come to Christ, the wellspring of life. Complaints of weariness, loneliness, and dissatisfaction will then cease. Do you know complaining and murmuring? They have done MRIs on the brain waves of people that constant complain and murmur that it affects them to the point it suppresses their immune system. And not only those who complain and murmur, but just to be around people who always complain and murmur. I have a lot to complain about. I'm not the tallest person on planet Earth, but I'm 6'6". There's no bed long enough for me. 
except for the California King, and I cannot afford the sheets that go with that. <laughs> I have 47 inches of legs. When I get on an airplane, as I, as I shared, I will pass a law that anybody under 6'6 would not sit in the exit row because I need room. When a person comes back on my knees, it's painful. I have a lot to complain about. I cannot go to the average store and buy clothes. I didn't get them made or I had to spend a lot of money just to fit, my, fit me. I have a lot to complain about. Are you with me? Yes. <laughs> but I dare not choose to complain. <laughs> Long complain. Notice what it says here. It says satisfying joys will give vigor to the mind and health and vital energy to the body. Today, Christ is filling the woes of every sufferer. He knows how to speak the word, behold, and bid the sufferer go and sin no more. In the book of Luke chapter 5, turn there with me very quickly. Put your eyes on verse 12 and 13. This is the story of a leper. How many are familiar with leprosy? You know, leprosy is a disease that destroys the very nerves of every appendage in your body. That means that if you will light a match, being a leopard, and put it on your finger, you will not feel the pain. It desensitizes every nerve. It eats away the very uh, the, the sinews of the body. The very breath of a leopard is contaminated. Wherever he sits or she sits is contaminated. This is why they had to be isolated, socially ostracized. This is why they had to move around with something over their mouth and say, unclean, unclean, because it will just permeate the air with the miasma of death. Leprosy was a type of sin, befitting as it is, because sin desensitizes us. And when we hold on to it, the very breath we breathe, that means our influence is contaminating. And every time we hear the voice of God and refuse to adhere to his principle, our conscience becomes desensitized. And that was this leopard that appeared to Jesus. You read it in Luke chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. And you read, he said, notice, he said, if thou will, Thou can cleanse me. He didn't say, can you? Are you capable of? He said, if you choose to, Lord, you can cleanse me. Are you following me? And so Jesus said, I will. Now, when you look at the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 12 and 13, how long did it take for Jesus to heal the leopard of leprosy? What's that word there? Are you there? What, what, what is the word that King James used? Immediately. immediately. What does the word immediately mean? Right. Now. I want you to get this now. Get this. Leprosy is a type of sin. Leprosy represents jealousy. Why? Because when Marion started complaining against Moses about the Ethiopian woman, she and her and Aaron was jealous of Moses. Soon she complained she was struck with leprosy. Are you listening to me? Elijah's servant 
when, he, when God healed Naaman and Naaman was going to offer Elijah a reward, Elijah said, no, because you, you would say, you know, you made me rich. I don't need your money. The gospel is free. But Elijah's servant went after and said, my master just didn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> it's all right to take money because a laborer's worthy is higher. But Elijah, because he was a child of God, already knew what was going on. And when his servant came back, he was struck with leprosy, covetedness. I can go on and on and on. Leprosy is a type of jealousy, covetedness, and selfishness, adultery. You find leprosy represents sin. And soon that leper said, Lord, if you, can, you can heal me if you want to. And Jesus said, be healed. And immediately the leper was healed. Now what's the object lesson here? Follow me, ladies and gentlemen. In some instances of healing, follow me now. We won't be long. Jesus did not at once grant the blessing sought. Did you hear that? Follow me. But in the case of leprosy, no sooner was the appeal made than it was granted. When we pray for earthly blessings, such as, Lord, I'm lonely. I need a spouse. Lord, I need a job. Lord, I need a car. Lord, I need to be free from cancer. Notice what it says. The answer to our prayer may be what? Delay. Delay. Or, it may, or God may give us what? Something other than we what? See, Paul prayed that God would refree him from the infirmity that he was suffering. I believe it was an eye problem. But God, he prayed three times. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for thee. Why? Because he wanted to keep Paul humble. Are you listening to me? Even if you might pray for deliverance from cancer, God said, no. I want to save you. I might have to give you cancer just to save you. Come on, talk to me. I tell anybody, I'd rather die with cancer in the Lord than live cancer-free apart from the Lord. Because I'm born once, I die twice. I'm born twice, I die once. Abundant life. Peace. Follow me now. Listen what God said. Listen what he says now. He says here, but not so when we ask for deliverance from sin. Uh, you ain't getting this. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, before I finish, there should not be one soul who in here leave out of this building not being free from unforgiveness when I finish. Amen. It does not take going out the door and waiting. God said immediately. And the only reason you don't experience, you don't want it. You listen to me. Pray in your hearts. Because there's no sense going out this door with the same spirit then come back next Sabbath because you might not make it. And you might make it and you go, to, you know, you lose your soul sitting here in the church. Even doing good things. Doing good things in the church. Good things for the Lord like the devil. I want to let you know immediately you can be set free. My God, when it comes to sin, is not an evolutionist. He's a creationist. He spoke. It was so. He can speak out of your heart. You got to prepare. Are you with me, ladies and gentlemen? Follow me now as we move forward. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 1, 4, and this is what? 
the confidence that we have who in Jesus that if Thomas Jackson asked anything according to Jesus will he Tom, Jesus will hear me and if Thomas Jackson know that Christ hear me whatever Thomas Jackson asked I know that I have the petition that I desire of him I personalize this are you with me and if Thomas Jackson confessed his sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive Thomas Jackson his sin and to cleanse Thomas Jackson from all unrighteousness. Jesus not only forgives me, but he frees me. Don't let anybody tell you, you cannot overcome sin. If you cannot overcome sin, then let's close church down. The Bible says here, Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 and 14, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the what? The power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son in whom we have what? Redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. If you have experienced that yourself, then God has a work for you to do for others. Watch this. Watch this now as we move forward in this. As we move forward, let's go back to Genesis. Back to Genesis, chapter 2, verse 7. Let's see, can we come down to the second half of this. In Genesis chapter 2, God made man from where? The dust of the ground. Now, on the screen there, I have highlighted some phrases. Dust of the ground, breath of life, living soul. Now, I associate those phrases to the body. Dust, breath, living soul, mental. Breath, spiritual. Dust, physical. That breath was not the oxygen that God put into man. That breath was the very life of God. Therefore, man is made up of three qualities. Follow me. He's made up of what? Physical, mental, and spiritual. What are they again? Physical, mental, and spiritual. Keep that in mind. The Bible tells us in Matthew 9, 12, in John 5, 6, Jesus used the word, will thou be made whole? Keep that in mind, the word whole. Are you following me? In the book of Deuteronomy 6, 5, jot these things down when you go home and you re rehearse these. The Bible says, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart, which is mental. And with all thy soul, which is what? And all thy might, which is what? So wholeness involves physical, mental, and spiritual. You get it? So when we have truly health, it is a physical, mental, and a spiritual health. You cannot have physical health apart from mental and spiritual. Very important to understand that. Let's move on. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Let's see this in the person of Jesus Christ. Quickly. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, we find Bill in a case that man is made up of three what? How many qualities man is made out of? What are they? Mental and spiritual. Luke, chapter 2, verse 40, read. I'm going to read in your hearing. And the child grew. What is that one? Mental, physical, or spiritual? Physical. And waxed strong in the spirit. What is that? Filled with wisdom. What is that? Amen. Let's look at verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom. What's that? That's right. In stature. What's that? 
and in favor with God and man. What's that? Spiritual. You're with me. Physical, mental, and spiritual. We cannot have true health without those three qualities. Very important to understand. Turn with me to the book of Matthew. Let's put our face in the book. Matthew chapter 9. I want to ask a question very quickly now. I'm asking a question. Put your, mind, put your face on verse 2. Matthew 9. Are you there with me? Notice what the Bible says. I'm going to read verse 2, then I have a question. And behold, I brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, what was the first thing Jesus said to this man? He said, what? Son, no, uh -uh. notice what he says. He said, son, be of what? What dimension, what quality is this addressing? Physical, mental, or spiritual? All right, you're with me so far. Then he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Is it mental, spiritual, physical? Very good. Let's drop down then in Matthew. Let's look at verse uh, 6. But that you might know that the Son of Man has power on earth to do what? To forgive sins. Then said he to the sick of the palsy, do what? Arise, take up that bed and do what? So you notice that. What quality is that? That is the physical. This is Christ's method of healing. Physical healing, if it's going to be permanent, must always follow mental and spiritual. Mental healing, people are under discouragement. Discouragement is the devil's most effective tool that he used to steal your heart of joy and peace. I call discouragement the devil anesthesia. Huh? He used everything else. We all face discouragement. We all face it. There's no one that's immune to discouragement, but we never have to rehearse it and burden human beings with it. Take it to Jesus. Discouragement is the devil most effective too. Then Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven thee. There are those of us who are under the burden of guilt and condemnation. Remorse cannot be free. Many of us take the attitude, I cannot forgive myself. I want you to listen to that as we move forward. Because God has never asked an individual to forgive themselves. You have no power to forgive yourself. You never read that in the word of God, where God said, forgive yourself. God said, if you come to me and confess your sin, I will forgive you. Are you listening to me? The devil has a stronghold on you, holding you down in guilt and remorse for something you have done. You are a prisoner of the past. Set the captive free. Physical. Let's move forward. We find. We'll pause a moment. You all right, my dear? Yes. All right. Are you with me so far, church? Amen. Let's just have another word of prayer. Father in heaven, as we come, try to come to a conclusion of this, please, Father, give us your Holy Spirit. Remove every distraction. Please let the presence be experienced. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We just want to recognize the power of God, ladies and gentlemen. So let's see, can we wrap this up? So what is forgiveness? We won't spend a lot of time on all of these, but just briefly. What are the effects of unforgiveness? And how to experience biblical forgiveness? So what is forgiveness? Many times we go to the dictionary. Notice what it says, American Heritage Dictionary. To grant pardon for or remission of an offense debt 
etc., to absolve. The American Heritage Dictionary said to cease to feel resentment against, to forgive one's enemy, to give up all claims on account of, remit a debt or obligation. Okay, let's, let's go a little further here. Notice, forgiveness, notice, ladies and gentlemen, is dis dismissing a debt, dismissing your demand that others owe you something. Now, many of us don't understand forgiveness. I want you to follow me because a lot of us walk out here and say, we are condemned already. Listen to what it says. It says, forgiveness is dismissing a debt, dis dismissing my demand that others owe me something. Forgiveness is releasing your resentment, releasing, notice this, your right to hear, I'm sorry. I don't know if you're getting this. I know one, one two people got it. I'm going to say it again. Forgiveness is releasing your resentment, releasing your right to hear, I'm sorry, or your right to get even. Forgiveness is as much about you as your offender. It removes from you the weight of resentment, freeing you to live a life of joy and peace. Life more abundantly. Please let this register because the average one of us don't understand forgiveness. And we are in the church praising the Lord. Let's move on. The word forgiveness has the little word give in it. Mm. When you choose to forgive, you give someone a gift. Freedom from having to pay the penalty for offending you. <laughs> Lord, let them get it. Because this can be a difficult gift to give. Realize you are also giving yourself a gift. The gift of grudge-free living. That is true freedom. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus. I don't know if you're getting this. I don't know if you're getting this. I'm telling you, even as I speak, I'm getting that, you know, there's a, just a, a surge in my life because I understand that we don't understand forgiveness. Turn with me to the book of Leviticus. Let's see what God says. Leviticus chapter 19. Ah, oh, Lord, please let this time not pass away that we can get it within the matter of the time. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Leviticus 19. You got Genesis. You got Exodus. You, you got Leviticus. You got Numbers. You with me then, Leviticus? Notice what the Bible says. I want us to read it together. Leviticus 19, 18. What does it say? Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and I am the Lord. That's biblical. Follow me now. Now, here we are. Forgiveness is a cooperative work of grace between us and the Holy Spirit. Let me emphasize this. Forgiveness is not a human attribute. Anybody understand what I'm saying? It does not originate with human beings. Forgiveness is a divine attribute. It only comes from God. Mm. You don't have it. I don't have it. The pastor don't have it. Dr. Phil don't have it. Nobody has it. Only God has it. Notice what it says. 
It says here, forgiveness is a corporate work of grace between us and the Holy Spirit. That's divine. You and I are human. He, who is the he? The Holy Spirit removes from us the desire for vengeance and make us person who allow the love that God has shown to us flow to those who hurt us. You and I are incapable of that. And I don't know you, but I'm quite sure that some, the majority of us are sitting here with this spirit. And the only way this church is going to flourish, truly flourish, the only way the world can be reached through this church, we must experience this. Amen. Forgiveness changes our view of others and ourselves. We see those who hurt us as one of God's children whose sins were paid for on the cross and who can be saved by grace. We see ourselves as victors rather than victims. Mm. What is forgiveness? We, let us, let us pray now. We, please put those phones on vibration. I'm telling you, the devil, we have an enemy. I pray we have an enemy. You don't come to church with your phone on. I told you, God want to text you. He don't want to drop no calls here. You got to take those phones out and leave them out. Put them in the car somewhere. Come on, talk to me. Let's move on. We are not forgiven because we forgive, but as we forgive. That's a difference. We'll explain the ground of all forgiveness is found in the unmerited love of God. But by our attitude toward others, we show whether we have made that love our own. If you want to know whether you're serving God or loving God, it's how you deal with other people in forgiveness. If you don't forgive somebody, you don't love God. I don't care how much money you pay to church. You, you can't pay penance. You ain't going to pay yourself from the fire. You got to get a fireproof religion. That's the power of God. Notice what it says here. It goes on. It says, wherefore Christ says, with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Matthew chapter 7, verse 2. Let's move on here. Notice this as we see this. Little clickers always. There you go. Let's go back. Now, Peter, you can pick this up at Matthew 18. 21 to 35. We won't go through all that, but write down Matthew 18. Look in the scripture, 21 to 35. Peter, you know, impetuous Peter, a, a truly a, a Hebrew, came to Jesus. How often my brother sinned against me, Master? I should forgive him seven times. The Jews said three times, mm -hmm. like three strikes you out. Peter went on to seven because it's a complete number. But unfortunately for Peter, Jesus had to come around and say to them, <laughs> Christ taught that we are never to become weary of forgiving. Jesus said, not until seven times. He said, what? Until 70 times 70. Whew. Every time you do something to me, brother, I got to forgive you. You come again, I forgive you. You come again, I forgive you. Woo! <laughs> I forgive you. 
Let's, let's look at it. We're almost there. Then he showed the true ground upon which forgiveness is to be granted and the danger of cherishing an unforgiving spirit. In a parable, he told of a king, you pick this up at Matthew chapter 18, write it down, verses 23 to 27. He talked about this king dealing with the officers who administrated the affairs of the government. Some of these officers were in receipt of vast sums of money belonging to the state. As the king investigated the administration of this trust that was brought before him, one man whose account showed a debt to his lord for the immense sum of 10,000 talents. Mm. He had nothing to pay according to the custom. The king ordered him to be sold with all that he had, even his family. That payment might be made. But, but the terrified man fell at his feet, besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with what? Compassion. And he loosed him and forgave him his debt. Unmerited. Unmerited. He did not deserve to be forgiven. Hello out there. You see, forgiveness is not excusing sin and saying that what was wrong is now right. I don't know if you got that. And forgiveness, when you ask for forgiveness, it doesn't mean that, hey, what you did to me was all right. Keep that in mind. Are you with me? All right, we're moving now. We're moving. Forgiveness, notice this, is not the same as reconciliation. It takes two for reconciliation, only one for forgiveness. Now, what is reconciliation? Say husband and wife have a problem. Wife being abused or husband being abused, the one, anybody can forgive with the divine help. But if one party don't want to be experienced that, it would be difficult to reconcile. Understand? God has given us the word of reconciliation. And the only way reconciliation can come about, that has to be some transformation in both parties. Hmm? If the wife don't want to forgive, then you've got to forgive the wife or vice versa. And if they want to continue their waywardness, there would never be no reconciliation. And but when I get down to marriage, that doesn't mean that you, you leave the marriage. You might have to step, if it's as physical abuse, you need to step out of that situation and pray. But don't mix forgiveness and reconciliation. We find here forgiveness is not letting the guilty off the hook. It is moving the guilty from your hook to God's hook. Did, did you get that? Did you get that? It's no longer your problem. It's, that's right. It's God's problem, preacher. I give it to God. Somebody hurt me? God, here he is. Here she is. I'm on. You take care of it. Hello out there. Follow me. We're coming now. We're fine here as we look at this. Forgiveness, turn with me, and forgetting. Turn to me, with me to Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, 34. Let me ask a question. And uh, you can speak out. When you forgive, do you, is it required of you to forget? <laughs> Come on, church. Forgiveness 
You know, people say, I'll forgive you, but I won't forget. Now, okay. Now, let's see what the biblical basis of this. In Jeremiah 31, 34, now, I'm quite sure, like I asked last week, many people have, have their heart broken, many broke people heart, many sitting here have been hurt by somebody, cannot forgive, or vice versa, and some say, I forgive you, but I, I'm not going to forget what you've done to me. Okay, and I understand that, understand that. There's a biblical reason here. Let's look at Jeremiah 31, 34. Are you there with me? All right, we're almost there. Follow me what the Bible says. In Jeremiah 31, 34, the Bible says, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them until the greatness of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, I will remember their sins no more. Now, please, please pray before you answer. <laughs> You just read that, right? God said, I remember no more. Mm, here's my question. Pray, church. Does God forget the sins you do? I told you to pray. Pray now. You sure now? That's good. I'm, I'm not saying. God said, I will remember them no more. You sin. Yes, no. You're saying yes. Now, think with me. Are you thinking with me here? God, who is God? All right, there's three attributes, three qualities that make deity. Omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. What does it mean to be omniscient? Now, are, are anybody like God? Are you God? God is all-knowing, right? Does God get amnesia? So how can he forget? Come on, talk to me, church. <laughs> oh, he chews. Does he forget? You, you said something good. You said something good. Does he forget? I want to bring out. She says he chews, but we're we going to build. Is that what you said, my dear? Does he forget? Does he forget? No. Not if God does not forget. He cannot forget. It's there. We're going to see a time that he will. But he doesn't forget. Let me share what I'm talking about. Listen to this. The word remember in this passage does not refer to memory. It but to covenant. A covenant is a promise. When God forgives our sin, he does not forget them. Rather, he makes a promise not to treat us as our sin deserve. He chooses to absorb the cost himself in the person and work of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. He don't say, brother, you see what you did to me? I'm, look, I'm filtering the way I treat you through what you did to me. That's not what he's doing no more. He's treating me as though I never offended him. Whoa. You hear that, preacher? Because there's many sitting here we all have a little gland called the hippocampus. And then deep into that hippocampus are things that we experienced in the past. And if we are not given to the God, the devil brings those things up and calls us to filter life through the abuse we have experienced. Because we have not put closure on that. God promised to me, I would treat you 
in a way that you don't deserve because I will take the burden. I will take the punishment myself. I will absorb. Are you listening to me? I'm going to say this because I might when I finish up. Ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness simply means to. I'm willing to go to Calvary for the offender. I'm willing myself to take the blame and the guilt of that person who offended me on myself. I don't know if you understand that. I don't know if you understand that. And if I were asked a question at this junction, how many are experiencing that forgiveness now? It would be very few of us. How many is willing to say, if this brother offended me, I'm willing to take the abuse he put up on me and go to Calvary with it and set him free? Is that what Jesus did? Christians, those who are Christians, that's what Jesus did. He bore my guilt. I'm the one that calls him to hang upon the cross. I'm the one that says, crucify him with my jealousy, my envy, my backbiting, my anger. I'm the one that hung him on the cross. And he was willing to say, I'm going to set you free. I'll take the blame. Ooh. The innocent for the guilty. That's what the sanctuary teach. When I bring the lamb, the innocent lamb, and lay my hands on that lamb, confessing my sin, the lamb, behold the lamb of God that take away the sin. Christ, the innocent, is taking my place, the guilty. Are you willing to take the place of your offender? We're on time. Let's move on. What are the effects of forgiveness? What are the effects? The mind and especially the emotions are among the most powerful influence which affect the body. Hmm? When we hold on to it, scientists are not just catching up with the Bible. Now they say that you cannot divorce a healthy mind from a healthy body. They go and say stress. Stress caused by unresolved emotional issues, for example, remains one of the leading contributors to illness. This is science, but, we, but God already said that. Praise God that science is catching up. Huh? Follow me. There's an intimate relationship between the body and the mind. One of the most powerful chapters, I gave, you some, I gave some folks some, some of these chapters in one of our meetings, come from a wonderful book called Ministry of Healing under the chapter called Mind Cure. Notice what it says. The relation that exists between the mind and the body is very intimate. When one is affected, the other sympathizes with it. The condition of the mind affects the health to a far greater degree than many realize. Many of the diseases which men are what? Suffering are, su uh, men are the results of what? Mental depression, grief, anxiety, discontent, remorse, guilt, distrust, all of these break down the life forces. All of these, ladies and gentlemen, 
All of these break down the life forces. You see, one doctor said from Harvard University, he says he has shown that, notice what he says, Dr. Harvard, Dr. Candidate of Harvard University has shown that what? Hate, envy, scorn, jealousy, and fear actually create poisons. Not psychological poison, but powerful toxic substance which poisons the life stream, the blood, and under the influence, the body weakens. Uh, he goes on and says, all the life processes are disturbed. A person who lives under fear or under the shadow of any depressing emotion seems to shrivel up. He grows old prematurely. Worry kills a hundred people where work only kills one. <laughs> Abundant life. We're almost there. Repress, suppress, unexpressed emotion affects our health. This can lead to road rage. You're on a highway and you're all stressed out. Somebody cut across. You get upset. I've heard where people got out of the car and shot people. Road rage. Road rage. Notice this. A thought held long enough and repeated often enough becomes a belief. That belief then becomes biology in which emotional stress causes our adrenal glands to produce corticosteroids, hormones that weakens our immune system. You cannot overcome cancer with an unforgiving spirit. You cannot overcome diabetes with an unforgiving spirit. You cannot overcome high blood pressure with an unforgiving spirit. And the list goes on. Here we are. Suppress anger is probably the most toxic emotion. It affects our whole chemical makeup. Is, this, is these folks happy? <laughs> Look at the body language. <laughs> huh? I said last night, one minute of anger can suppress your immune system for six hours. You talk about taking some immune tea. We need to be set free. <laughs> huh? Anger. Mm. Let me share a closing situation here before we move on. Confucius says an angry man is always full of poison. Hmm? The story, now this is not the story I want to close out with, but this is interesting. The story of John Hunter, a famous 18th century British surgeon. He said, my life is at the mercy of any scoundrel who chooses to put me into a passion. He and a colleague got in a heated conversation one day. John Hunter got so angry he stormed out the door and dropped dead in the next room. An anger, bitter, unforgiving spirit <clears throat> produces negative chemical byproducts. Let me tell you this story, a closing story here. And I always share this because this was a story that was a turning point in my ministry. We were conducting a training school and had a lifestyle center in another state called Arizona. This was in 19, probably 91. That was a lady that was retired because the individual who owned and operated the facility had a place for retired uh, Christian workers. This is 1991. This lady was probably in her late 50s. She had been suffering with a liver problem for 30 years, a severe liver problem. She was on a lot of medication to the point that her body became desensitized to the medication. 
the drugs lost their effect. Her energy level was almost zero. The color of her skin, you can see death on her face. Always a na nauseated. So she retired early and she was there at this place and as we were running to school and et cetera, there was an opportunity for her to go through a lifestyle program. We prayed with her. We put her on God's plan. Her diet changed, exercise, and all the things I've been talking about for this week. Within a matter of a month, the lady began to just enjoy a sense of well-being that she had never had in 30 years. She said, I never felt this good. The nausea stopped. The skin color, I mean, became radiant. And she got out in the garden. She helped in the kitchen. She was excited. This lasted for a period of time, and then she relapsed, went back. Then we continued God's plan. We put liver packs and sunlight and praying, we, we, and she, she got better again. This went back and forth. Her health went back and forth, and it dawned on me, this was a turning point why I shared this whole presentation. I said, we didn't pray with the lady. We didn't gave her, I mean, she was on a plant-based diet. She was exercising. She was drinking water. She was doing everything. And I said, something is impeding her healing. If God chooses to heal, something is happening here that definitely is obstructing her healing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you the word of God is powerful. When you pray to his will and went to bed and praying that God would give wisdom. Daniel chapter 8, verse 7, as I got up, Daniel 8, 7. That was not my study, but the Bible God said, go to Daniel. Please turn there with me. The God in Daniel 8, 7 had, had the answer to the prayer. Why this woman healing was not being permanent. Turn with me to Daniel 8, 7. Are you there? Anybody? Yes. Daniel 8, 7. Let me read it in your hearing. Notice what the Bible says. Daniel 8, 7. There's a picture there. In the King James, in the King James, and I saw him close, come close unto the ram, and he was moved with cola against him, and smote the ram, and brake the two horns, and there was no power in the ram. Now, when you read the context, here you got two beasts, which represent nation. You see the context. They are what? What are they doing? They are at war with one another. Are you following me? But the word there, cola, stood out to me like the sun beaming in the sky. I looked at this word cola, and I saw the word cholesterol in this word cola. Then I began to do some word study on this word cola. It's found everywhere else. I started to check this word out. And notice, it had to deal with uh, the temperament, wrath, gall. It talks about here, secreted, yellow bile, a humor that was once believed to be secreted by the liver to cause irritability and anger. So when I studied this word cola, cola, it led me to humor and to the word liver. Liver, cola, bile. Bile is an enzyme secreted by the liver. It is bitter, bitter bile. And I came to the conclusion that this woman was holding on to unresolved emotional issues. She was angry. She was bitter, and the bitterness produced toxin that affected her liver. Are you following me? I came to that conclusion. You see, bitter, it almost destroyed 
her liver. And when I said to this dear sister, I asked her, I said, are you dealing with some un unresolved emotional issues in your life? There was silence. There was tears. And I said, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to talk about it. But ladies and gentlemen, understand, impressions that do not lead to expression leads to depression. She said, Jackson, she said, I think I need to talk about it. I've been holding on to this for 30 years. How long she had a liver problem? This was her story. Her father sexually abused her for 15 years of her life. She hated her father with a passion. Then she got married. The husband turned on her and abused her sexually and affected her reproductive organs. She hated him with a passion. You remember when we put it on God's plan, she got better, but every time she reflect back upon her experience, the liver produced toxic waste that caused inflammation. The attitude affected her physiology. That was a turning point in my life when I realized I did not understand the true method of healing. I thought healing was just in the herbs we gave. I thought healing was in the water treatment. I thought healing was in the plant-based diet only. Are you listening to me, ladies and gentlemen? Healing must start with the mind and the heart. And she said, Jackson, I cannot, how can I forgive my father? How can I forgive my husband? Forgiveness, she didn't understand it either. She said, if I forgive them, it's like saying I'm condoning the act. No, what I shared with you earlier, forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness does not release the, pre the, 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 the victimizer. You take him off your hook and put him on God's hook. And ladies and gentlemen, when I learned how to just share and lead people, that woman, when she let go and let God, her liver was 100% healed. 100% healed. There's a story. We can fast forward this very quickly. Can you, um, my brother, can you put it on a slide uh, show? And I want to come to the last slide here. I want you to go down where you see two goats. They're right there. You see that goat? Now go, now go where the blessings of the trials. You see the blessing of the trials? Right there. Click that on. I'm going to leave you with this, the two goats in this. How many know what oysters are? Oysters. How many know how pearls are made? From oysters. How, how's, how's the process? It's sand that passes through the oyster and irritates the mucous membrane lining of the oyster. And as the sand irritates the oyster lining, it secretes mucus and wraps every grain of sand and produce a pearl. And therefore, we wear those pearls, some people. Ladies and gentlemen, a pearl is a garment that encloses an annoyance. Therefore, trials are opportunities to make pearls. When somebody throws something on you and you are in Christ, all you say, I'm making pearls. I'm making pearls. 
I leave you with this, the lesson of two goats. As we seek to make an appeal, I want you to pray, church. I want you to pray in your heart. Uh, basically, if you just wait off with the music as I make the appeal, just wait. Forgiveness is my willingness, by God's grace, is to absorb the affliction, the offender, crime against me. I'm willing to take it. Forgiveness is supernatural. We must make a choice to have it. We can't concoct it. We can't muster it up. We must be willing to say, Lord, I want to experience your forgiveness. I want to love my enemy like you love me. I want to love that offender. Could you, would you love him or her through me? Because I'm willing to take the punishment for my offender. I want you to process this because God immediately want to set us free. He don't want us, anybody to walk out here. And if you're not a Christian, I want you to process. If you're not a Christian yet, this is your only hope. Is to say, Lord, I want you to come into my life now. Because I'm doing things, I'm, I'm, I'm using things, I'm, I'm into things trying to cover up the pain that I'm suffering. And all it's doing is killing me. I need victory, Lord. The story of two goats were making their way along a narrow road, high along the face of a deep, steep cliff. Two goats coming in opposite direction, coming, you know, my brother, could you get up, Miguel? You know, and, you, and we, we won't, and you, you, you there, Miguel, I'm sorry. Could you fix that for me? And here we are, God forbid, we goats, brother. <laughs> but if you and I coming in the opposite direction, I'm trying to get over there, and you're trying to get over here, but there's no way around. If you go there, you're going to fall in the, down into the ditch. Oh, vice versa. Notice what it says, Miguel. Notice what it says. It says the problem was that the ghost was traveling in opposite direction and met what? Face to face. Face to face. Face to face. And then it goes on and said, no, it says the road was too narrow for either of them to attempt to turn around. To begin backing up, notice, to begin to backing up, we might fall off, Miguel. Now notice what it says here, brother. Look here. So it says, for either goat was far too dangerous. Of course, the road was also too narrow for them to pass safely. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, had these two goats, Miguel, been human, they would probably have been demanding, come on, uh, Miguel, you need to get out of my way. <laughs> just, just thrown you off. I'm serious. We have a demand for one another. Because why? We looking to have our own way. You get what I'm saying? Now notice what it says, Miguel. It says here, had these goats been humans, they would probably have been demanding that other give way, no matter what the cost. You hurt me. You owe me. No matter what the cost, I'm going to get at it. I'm going to get you. You, you got to have it. Notice what it says. It says, when the demanding had failed, they would have began butting heads. Each other until both would have toppled from the road down. How the problem going to be solved, Miguel? Notice what it says. How the problem was solved satisfactory, Miguel? Face to face. No. One goat got down, Miguel. Get down. 
Miguel, you just walked on over me. Just walk 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 on over me. Come on, Miguel. Thank you, Miguel. How the problem going to be solved satisfactorily that one goat laid down in the road perfectly? And it goes on, the goat still standing carefully walked over the other, and each was able to go on his, other, on his way safely. If it's not for the first goat being willing to lie down and being trod upon, the outcome would have been a disaster if Jesus had not been willing. If Jesus had not been willing to give himself for us, the outcome would be disaster. Thank you, Miguel. Anybody this morning? I first of all, I want to make appeal to the church, to those who have accepted Christ. This is not just a simple altar call. This is a freedom call. Are you listening to me? It's a fact. If you don't know anything about forgiveness, you know now. It is not about the fact that you have the ability to come up with this attribute. It's a what fact is I need to have life more abundantly. I need to have peace that does not be disturbed by any circumstances. If I walk through the door and John Doe don't speak to me, whoever happened, if my husband 